to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and Happy New Year. It's 2019, and this is our first Game Changers radio show of the year. Hope you all had a wonderful holiday and are looking forward, as we are, to an exciting, productive, positive, and even smile-filled 2019. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. We have a very interesting topic for you. Listen up. I have a quote from Dave Anderson at itproportal.com, and listen up. The quote is, Everyone has an opinion on the cloud and its effect on business. Some believe it is dark and scary and fraught with unnecessary risk, while others would argue it's silver-lined in the path to greater business performance and cost savings. There you have it. Very provocative quote. So what are we talking about today? Widely used cloud technology has brought us all kinds of benefits, great conveniences. It lets us on the business side share resources easily, actually in medicine and a lot of other fields as well. It helps companies enhance teamwork, improve productivity, reduce the cost of physical storage. Who doesn't want all of that? But let's take a step back. Cloud is still surrounded by concerns. Users are wondering, what about the security of my data? Will it be kept private and safe and secure from private eyes that are prying eyes that are sharing the cloud with it? What about the stability of the cloud resources? What about accessibility? How easily can I get to what I need in the cloud? So are these issues myths or facts? Well, let's start off the year with a plus column and a minus column on the cloud. Let's put all the pluses on one side, the minuses on the other. But what if, what if the minus column turns out to be longer? What would happen if we went back to a world without cloud in 2019? Oh, I shudder to think. So welcome again. Very interesting topic. I want to say a shout out to Ira Burke, sponsor of this series, and Rue Ja at SAP, who both put the show together. And I have two very interesting guests for you. Let me just tell you who they are, and then we'll get started. We'll be speaking with Victor Van Dinten, Director of Strategic Partnerships for HERE, H-E-R-E, All in Caps Technologies, and John Gibson, Global Vice President of SAP. Cloud for platform at SAP. We're going to start off with a quote Victor has sent us from Tiger Woods. I did not know that Tiger Woods' real name is Eldrick Taunt Tiger Woods, American professional golfer, one of the most popular athletes of the whole 21st century, one of the highest paid athletes in the world for many years, and considered one of the greatest golfers of all time. In September 2018, he won his first tournament in five years after a brief hiatus with a victory at the Tour Championship and moved up to number 13 in the official world golf rankings, where he was for many years. So, Victor has sent us this quote, very simple one, four words, listen up, I smile at obstacles. Victor Van Denton, how are you today? I'm very good, Bonnie. Thank you very much. We're very happy to have you. Talk to me about this quote. I like the quote. It could be used on any topic, but we're talking about the world with or without cloud. So please apply the quote for me, Victor. Yeah, to your point about Tiger Woods winning in 2018 again, I think he made the biggest uh, comeback in sports history in 2018 of all sports. So, um, you know, with the mindset that he can get up there, um, I smile at obstacles. 
he just is able to change his swing and his attitude to the game over and over again. And that's why he's leading in this game for the last 10 years already, I guess. So, um, and this applies for me to Cloud as well. Um, you know, I don't doubt that Cloud is going to be uh, one of our primary technology foundations going forward. Um, but as you said in your introduction, there are some obstacles yet yeah, like security, uh, data privacy and all of that. But, you know, as long as we smile to these obstacles, um, we'll make them smaller and we'll overcome them quicker. Um, so I like that attitude going forward. If we embrace cloud, um, it will help us uh, accelerating innovation and accelerating our business. Um, so that's why, you know, I've chosen this, this, this quote from Tiger Woods. Uh, we just smile at obstacles and ultimately going forward, we'll overcome them and make things successfully and quicker uh, adapt to them. So that's the reason I've chosen this uh, Tiger Woods quote. Thank you. I like the explanation, Victor, and I'm very intrigued. If we come up against obstacles in the cloud, we're just going to smile. I don't know how long that's, how far that's going to go with some of the C-suites, but it certainly is an interesting thing. Uh, do you believe that any new technology, any new innovation takes some, you got to grit your teeth sometimes, Victor. You got to have the guts to go forward and say, well, we just need to understand it better. Well, It'll get better. It'll it'll be great. What what do you think? Is there that kind of early? Well, we're not exactly early adopters on the cloud yet, or we passed that point a while ago. But do you think that people still need to have that? We're just going to keep smiling attitude overall. Yeah, I think so. Um, if we look back in history, and there's a, a, a great book called The Second Machine Age, um, where we see how electricity came from, you know, a single point created with companies to a global infrastructure that shares the electricity, same with water and so on. So I think cloud is really, for me, the fourth utility out there um, mm-hmm. and will be an infrastructure that will move forward and gives us the foundation for business and for technology. Um, so I believe we should definitely keep up this attitude to cloud um, and will make us quickly adapt to that. But, you know, it depends if you would ask a professional that is in cloud business day by day, Mm-hmm. Uh, most of us will probably say that it is already there, it's already adopted, and it's, it's a technology that um, is one of the cornerstones moving forward. Um, for people outside of that that are scared of this security and privacy issue, um, it might be good to just adopt to this, to this attitude and just smile at those obstacles and um, you know, embrace it as, as, as a thing going forward. Thank you very much. I love the optimism. What a better, what a great, great way to start off the new year. Thank you, Victor. Pleasure to meet you. And now I'm going to move around the table to our other, thank you, other panelists, John Gibson at SAP, SAP Cloud Platform. And John has sent us a very interesting quote from Jim Lovell. A lot of people may not remember the name, but you should. James Arthur Lovell or Lavelle. We'll see how John pronounces it in a minute. Junior, born in 1928, former NASA astronaut, a naval aviator, and retired Navy captain. He was commander of the ill-fated Apollo 13 mission, which was on its way to the moon, but was mm, ran into some oops. Talk about smiling at obstacles, John. And it was brought safely back to Earth, thank goodness, by the crew in mission control. He was also the command module pilot of Apollo. Apollo 8, the first Apollo mission to enter lunar orbit. And the reason most of you should remember him is that he wrote a book about the mission of Apollo 13 called Lost Moon, The Perilous Voyage of Apollo 13, and it was made into a movie by Ron Howard, and in 1995, Tom Hanks portrayed Jim Lovell in the movie based on the book. So there you go. Lovell's also made various cameo appearances in other movies. Here is the quote. 
From now on, we live in a world where man has walked on the moon, and it's not a miracle. We just decided to go. John Gibson, Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Bonnie. I'm doing good. Good. Thank you for joining us as well. Love the quote from Jim Lovell. We're, I'm thinking cloud and moon, and I think we're in the same part of the, I don't know what sphere they're <laughs> both in, but, but they're both up there. So tell me how you picked this quote, please, John. Uh, well, actually, it's, it's from uh, my favorite movie. Uh, I must admit, I, I didn't know the details of the story until I watched the, watched the movie. And uh, I can't believe you're giving me the opportunity to talk about the movie. It's absolutely my favorite movie. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, and I, I think I, um, I think I like the movie because of the story, not so much uh, the artistic merit of the of the movie. I'm not a movie buff, but the story is uh, it's the most incredible um, story. Um, it's a, I mean, a story of human ingenuity, of bravery, of really pushing boundaries and and what smart people can do uh, working together in an environment and if you understand the story and you watch the movie you understand when when they do have a problem how people have to come together and fix the problem and work on solutions that would generally take months sometimes even years to do and these guys had hours to fix problems to figure this out it's it's pretty incredible story knowing that this actually happened knowing that it's a true story and to watch the movie uh, and see this is uh, it's it really resonated with me it's absolutely my favorite movie um and i think the quote is given at the start of the movie and neil armstrong's landing on the moon jim lovell's having a party at his at his house uh, and after the party he comes up with the quote i really love the quote because uh, the quote's really saying that um you know what we decided to do was um, something that really pushed the boundary, something that was brand new, something that's almost deemed as being impossible, but we can do it. We just decide to do it, and then we figure it out. Um, and I really, I really love that. It's kind of the way I work. It's the way I work with my teams, and, and, and the quote always sticks with me. I always remember that quote, whatever, whatever I'm doing in the future. I love it. And the part about the quote that really got me, John, and I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm sure it's available on demand at some point. I will. Uh, The part that really got me is it's not a miracle. We just decided to go. And is is that a direct parallel, do you think, to how cloud technology was developed? Somebody just said, well, why not? You know, use all the real estate you got. Maybe you can't see it. It's up there, but let's use the cloud. Do you think that was the mindset? Somebody saying, let's go on a mission to the cloud and let's make things happen that never happened before. No miracles. We're just going to do it. We're smart. We can figure it out. What's your thought? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly the case. And I think that's, uh, that's the case for um, all new technology. Somebody somewhere um, makes the decision to decide to do it and makes the, decide to do, uh, makes the decision to, to do something different. Uh, and that takes a lot of bravery. Um, it takes a lot of smarts uh, to be able to do that. And if you look where we are now um, with the cloud environment compared to even five years ago, uh, it's a radical change. And, and people in different places have decided to make this change. These changes didn't just happen. Uh, we didn't all go to bed one night and wake up the next day and, and new things were in place. People thought of these ideas and people executed the ideas and, and put them in place. And I think it's always important to understand that, that things don't just happen. People make mm-hmm. things happen. Um, and so it's, it's really the thing that resonated uh, to me from that quote and also from the movie uh, in itself. I can't believe you haven't watched the movie, 
Bonnie. I mean, you have uh, to get around to watching it. You've just shamed me. You have just shamed me. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to do something about that. I just finished the eight-part series, The Romanoffs, which was wacky and crazy and fascinating and dark. And I just finished 43 episodes of In Treatment based on an Israeli series about a psychologist. So I think it's time for me to watch a real movie for a change. Wow. I will do that. Wow. This is a little bit more relaxing for you, Bonnie. It's only two hours, so I think, I think this is a little bit better. <laughs> Yes, 43 episodes in uh, seven nights. Yes, it was a quiet holiday. Let's leave it at that. Thank you very much, John. I'm, I feel very inspired. And now let's go back around the table to Victor Van Dinten at Here Technologies. And Victor, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. So first question is, where in the world are you today? Second question is, what's your favorite beverage? What do you love to drink? And it could be something you had over the holiday. We'd love to hear that. And third question is, what do you do? as the Director of Strategic Partnerships for HERE Technologies, and give us an update on what HERE is doing. Go ahead, Victor. Thanks, Bonnie. So first of all, I'm in a beautiful place called Eindhoven, and that's all over in Europe in a country that called the Netherlands, and it's in about, about an hour, about an hour and a half southeast of Amsterdam. Um, people might know Eindhoven from the Philips brand, um, you know, I think all people around the world have a, a light bulb or a kitchen appliance or a television from Philips. Um, so Philips originated in Eindhoven, and basically the whole city was built around the Philips factories and offices here. Um, so still the heritage here. Um, obviously, the production uh, is outsourced to all other countries. Uh, it's currently headquartered out of Amsterdam, and a lot of divisions are split up. But still, you know, the Philips brand it's kind of you know the the, the beating heart of this uh, of this city. Um, second of all, because we were named the smartest area in the world in 2011, wow. uh, beating Singapore and Silicon and beating, yeah beating Singapore and Silicon Valley, um, and that was measured on all kind of factors, but mainly because of ASML. You might know that company that builds chip machinery or chip manufacturer mm-hmm. machinery for Intel, for Samsung, and all the big chip manufacturers. Um, and the high-tech campus that we have out here where all kind of international companies stick together uh, to build new technology, mainly focused around semiconductors. So if you want to be really bold, you would say, uh, we make the technology and the infrastructure, the high-tech, that enables Silicon Valley to invent all the new software and hardware that they're building. That all comes about this small city in Eindhoven. And the last reason people might know it is when you think of design and Europe, you might think of Italy first. Uh, but we think of Eindhoven as we have the world's leading design academy here in Eindhoven um, and a Dutch Design Week, which is like the, the, you know, the largest international design event uh, on the planet. Uh, we get all kind of international visitors here. And it's just like a small town, uh, considered U.S. terms. It's like 250,000 inhabitants, uh, but a very nice place to live after all. Lovely. I'll be right there. <laughs> It sounds great. I, I love the accolades and the fact that you said the design capital and and uh, great place to be. It sounds wonderful. We we should all take a trip there. John Gibson and I, we're going to fly over and visit Victor. Is that good for you, John? Should we do it? That's good for me. Actually, I, I, I was laughing. I know Eindhoven from the soccer team. I'm a big soccer fan. So, so I know Eindhoven. I'm actually going to play. Yes. Good. And Victor, yeah, yeah. what do you come, love to do? Please come do? in do May to... or in September because... Because okay, we can now go. it's like cool and freezing and gray, so come later. <laughs> we'll come later. You, you, you send us a ticket, we'll be there. Maybe we'll just zoom over there on a, on a screen somehow. We could do that too. So what do you love to drink, Victor? 
Yeah, and it's not something holidays, but really after holidays, and you would expect a very strong coffee. Uh-huh. Uh, but my favorite uh, drink is a triple shot decaf cappuccino. And that's Ooh. like, you know, a long line to order in Starbucks, right? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, two years ago, I found out that I'm, I'm excited all the time. Uh, but drinking caffeine made me a little too excited in some days, like, you know, almost nervous and, and sweaty and whatever. So I stopped drinking caffeine two, two years ago and was really figuring out what my new drink would be. Um, so I started with just a decaf cappuccino, uh, but as you can imagine, decaf is a little weaker than normal coffee is. So, you know, it tastes kind of milky. So I start adding shots and shots and shots. So, you know, I ended up drinking triple shot decaf cappuccinos, um, and really just trying to find my way where you can order best decaf coffee. And I must admit, Starbucks is one of, one of the, you know, best coffees out there. If you, if you, if you consider decaf, um, mm-hmm. it's consistent. Uh, the quality is good and, and it tastes brilliant. So I have a triple shot decaf cappuccino here, uh, always accompanied with a, a sparkling water. Uh, and definitely, you know, since oh. we had the holidays the last few weeks and they got the most of me. So I decided to go for a dry January. So it will be coffee and sparkling water and not much more than that. <laughs> Sometimes, Victor, I think this show is called True Confessions on <laughs> with Game Changers. <laughs> It's, we get we get such interesting stories. I'm I'm very grateful to you for sharing that. Now, talk to me about here. Where did the name come from? Uh, here we are uh, a mapping and navigation and location mm-hmm. company. So what we want to know uh, where, where is here? Where am I? Um, so the you know the where or the here context is basically the data that we got her. Um, so that's the company called here. So we were originally, if you go way 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 back thirty years. Uh, a spin-off out of Philips here at Eindhoven as well called Navtech. People might know Navtech. And we built the first data maps for in-car navigation. Um, so with BMW being our first customer, we've built a digital map for the Munich-Stuttgart area mm-hmm. where people in a car could navigate with in-dash navigation data. And, you know, so we've been out there for 30 years. Uh, most of the people that think about navigation and maps will think about Google Maps. Uh, but Google came far later with it more like a consumer uh, advertisement product. Uh, but if you're in a car, um, it's about you know, 60 to 80% chance that you will see our navigation screen or at least our data that we provide there. Uh, so people might not see us as consumers, uh, but all the leading car manufacturers are using our data in their navigation systems. Um, that is kind of our heritage uh, about 10 years ago. Um, and we all know what happened with Nokia when the iPhone came. Yep. Um, at that point in time, Nokia so- sold us off to a consortium of Audi, BMW, and Daimler mm-hmm. um, because they wanted to own this data and this, this specifics. Uh, with, a, with a few things that I had in mind uh, with the autonomous use case, like autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. that require a much more accurate map than we had in the past while driving ourselves. Um, they needed a platform uh, to, to synchronize data that comes up out of these cars. You know, if you have one autonomous car from one brand, only knowing the data from other cars around and from the same brand, it is very difficult to have an organized autonomous uh, city there. Um, so that data needs to be synchronized, and that is a play that we have put in there with our open location platform. Um, and they named it here afterwards. Um, so, you know, the fun thing is if you go back in this history, like in day one, 
the the vision of of Maftec in that time was to get rid of all the paper maps in the cars, and people were saying you're a daedalist. You know why? You know we will use paper maps forever. Okay, of course today we know that no one is using a paper map anymore. And then Nokia bought us and had mm-hmm. the vision that we should in- incorporate GPS sensors and map data on a mobile phone. And everyone said, why should you have location services on a mobile phone? Um, you know, today, if you look at your iPhone or your Android phone, there is not a single app that is not using location services. You know, moving on further, further with the autonomous use case, um, you know, we say we need a highly accurate map to navigate cars autonomously through cities. And that's kind of the same attitude that people have. Yeah, right, we'll have autonomous vehicles. Uh, we, we don't believe we will have autonomous vehicles going forward. Um, and that is a parallel for me to, to cloud, right? Um, all these inventions just came and developed and um, ultimately came there. And I think it's just only accelerating in these days. So what you see is that this adoption of location service on the mobile phone came much quicker than the adoption of navigation in cars. And if you will look forward to the autonomous use case, it will be there before we know because the technology is already there. So that's the company. Um, I run the uh, strategic partnership organization um, that is mainly focusing not on the automotive use case, but any other use case. Um, SAP is one of our important alliances there. So whenever you will use SAP software uh, with planning, um, real-time traffic, uh, it could well be that it is here that is under the hood providing the location data. Thank you very much. Absolutely fascinating. I appreciate that. You know, funny thing, I moved to a fairly new area of North Carolina. I'm in the Durham area and a new development, Victor. Mm-hmm. It's been here about three years, I think. And it's, I bought it, just bought a, a, another sports car, replaced the one I had, and it's a 2015 model. Well, the GPS in the car, the maps, don't include this area. Mm-hmm. So I have to use my phone in the car to, if, if I'm going, going a place I don't know. I have to use my phone in the car to get there because my phone knows exactly from satellite it, exactly where I am. And it knows all the streets and it can give me the phone GPS can tell me exactly where I am. But the, in the car, it gets within this area and then it's vague. There are a couple of roads and that, that's, that's all it has. So I can't use it to, to get to the, I know where I am now after, after a year, but it's very interesting that I have have to use the, the uh, phone in the car all the time so I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping in the day comes that uh, that that will automatically update but what can I tell you thank you very much Victor yeah. quick, pleasure quick quick note quick note yeah, to that. Yeah, I sure. almost have to apologize for that but oh. quick note to that in the past it was just physical media right so do you put mm-hmm. a USB stick in your car you load the map and it was yeah. way too expensive to update yes. your maps afterwards thank you no one did that there was in the car for three to five years so I almost have to apologize for it but there is good news there's great news all come to CES next week in Vegas uh, yeah. where we'll be demonstrating our newest navigation software uh, which is all on the month over the air updates uh, oh. no outdated maps anymore and better content that you can find on your mobile phone. So I, I'm solving this for you, Bonnie. Uh, <laughs> but, you, know, you have to wait for, for another three or, three or four you know, models probably. Uh, we're implementing this in cars pretty rapidly <laughs> right now. So I hope this is the last car that you have this issue. Um, if it's here, map, I can guarantee you in, in, in the future you will have updates and better content on your mobile phone. 
Thank you very much. I was waiting for you to say something about that. I wasn't complaining, though, and I didn't tell you why I haven't updated it, but damn, it's expensive. Thank you very much. John Gibson waiting so patiently. John, we'd love to know the same three things from you and backgrounding on where in the world are you right now. We just want to know a city, state, country, not a street or an address. We'd love to know what's your favorite beverage that powers you to do what you do and smile the way you smile and enjoy life. And number three, what is your role at SAP Cloud Platform. John Gibson, go ahead. Okay, yes. So unusually for me, I'm actually at home, uh, which is uh, 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 the beautiful city of Vancouver, British Columbia mm-hmm. in Canada. So it's still relatively early and dark outside here on the, on the West Coast. Um, uh, I'm actually a little bit south of uh, Vancouver. I'm a little bit in the, in the boonies in a, in a small town called White Rock, but nobody really knows where that is. So I always tell people I'm, I'm in Vancouver um, it's unusual for me. I do travel extensively. I'm on the road probably 50, 60% of the time. Um, so myself and the airport, we get to know each other um, quite well. Um, so the navigation systems that Victor talked about, I'm always <laughs> interested in. If I'm renting a car somewhere else, um, yes. I'm, I'm fully capable of getting lost in any city in the world. So it's nice to know that that might be solved uh, for me in the, in the future. <laughs> My, <laughs> My favorite beverage, I'm on the West Coast in Canada, but you might pick up uh, from, from, from my accent that actually I'm from the UK. I was born and raised in, in um, Yorkshire in Northern England in the, in the UK. So my favorite beverage is tea. I, I'm, a, I'm a tea drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our own tea from Yorkshire, actually Yorkshire tea. Um, and actually we joke about it, people from Yorkshire, about having to drink Yorkshire tea. I'm so particular about my tea that I actually take the tea bags with me uh, when I travel and uh, I get lots of funny really? looks going through security when they're searching me and they find my tea bags in my, oh, in my carry-on funny. luggage. Um, teas, uh, when you grow up in the UK, the, the tea is the thing that kind of binds everything together. When you go visit somebody, the first thing they do is they put the kettle on to make some tea. Mm-hmm. If there's a crisis, the first thing you do is you make a cup of tea. Um, and so really it becomes part of you and, and it's a little bit of a habit for me. I get out of bed really very early when I'm in Vancouver. I have to work with the folks in Europe uh, quite a bit. So I'm, I'm generally up at 5, 6 in the morning for calls, and the first thing I'm doing is I'm making a cup of tea so I can be semi-lucid at least um, <laughs> on, on the calls. I have... Um, I, 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 I started off my career a long time ago. I was, in, I was working in northern England, and I was working as an IT manager. This is a long time ago. Uh, but I had to do um, um, a disaster recovery course. I had to figure out how to um, uh, bring everything back to life miraculously if everything died in the company I was working for. And the mm-hmm. guy that was teaching me disaster recovery, he, he told me something that, again, it resonated with me, it stuck with me, which was, okay, uh, you're in the office, everything goes down, absolutely everything, the, the comms all go down, the computers are all down, what's the first thing that you do? And my yeah. answer was, oh, I get my checklist out, and I start to go through my checklist, and I just understand what my first two or three steps are, and I communicate where I need to communicate, and he said, no, no, the first thing you do is you make a cup of tea. Ah, I know it, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a great punchline, John. That was beautiful. Go ahead. <laughs> and that stuck with me ever since. So, so oh, now if I have great. a difficult call at work, I, I'll go, I'll stop, I'll put things down, I'll go, I'll take five minutes, I go make a myself cup a cup of tea. Of tea. <laughs> Just I love that. Down. By the way, do you know the history of Yorkshire tea? May I read you a little bit? 
Is that okay? You can do, yeah. That would be great. Okay. I don't actually know the history of it. Okay, this is very interesting. Yorkshire tea is a black tea blend produced by the Bettys, B-E-T-T-Y-S, and Taylor's Group. It is the second most popular tea brand in the UK and was introduced in 1886 by Charles Edward Taylor, founded as C.E., Taylor and Company. It later was shortened to Taylor's, and then they were bought by rival Betty's Tea Room, which today forms the title the Betty's and Taylor's Group. It is still based in Harrogate, Yorkshire, in the first Betty's Tea Room, and the group is still owned by the founder of Betty's family, Frederick Belmont, and his blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I wanted wow, you to know I that. I didn't know that, but I know the Betty's Tea Room, so if you're ever in, in Northern England, if you're in the towns of Harrogate or York. Uh, the tea rooms are absolutely wonderful. They're quintessential English tea rooms. You go there, you have beautiful sandwiches and cakes and tea mm-hmm. served properly in a proper teapot with fine bone china. It's absolutely, they're, they're wonderful places to go and visit. Sounds wonderful. Oh, it sounds delicious, actually. Do you like certain scones with your tea, John? Yeah, I do like uh, I do like a traditional English scone, um, uh, um, fresh cream and and uh, uh, strawberry jam on the on the oh. on the scone. It's a long time since I've had that though. <laughs> it's not, oh, bring not you a luxury back! I, I can it, have my chil- was, my children here are very North American, and and they would wonder what on earth I was eating. Well, I was in Bermuda many years ago uh, on a trip, at least thirty years ago, and rented uh, a couple of bikes. I was I was with uh, my husband at the time, and we rented bikes and we toured the island. And we came across a little tea room that was in in a basement in a private home. It was on the tour map or the hotel concierge recommended it. And we went down to this very damp type of a basement, and they had a little table set up in the china, and it was lovely. And we had English tea and Johnny cakes with. Guava jelly. Does that sound familiar? Mm, I can't say I grew up eating guava jelly. Probably a bit more traditional than that. It's delicious. Anyway, I I found it when I got back to the States. So tell me, what is your role at SAP Cloud Platform? What do you do? Well, I think a lot of people uh, that are your listeners will know uh, what SAP um, does. We're kind of providing um, a lot of the software solutions that are really running the foundation of a lot of the big uh, big and small businesses um, out there. I work for the cloud platform group. I'm 100% focused on on cloud. Um, so what we're doing is we're we're taking our technology and we're actually moving the technology into the cloud or it's moved into the cloud. Um, so that uh, what that allows our customers to do is to um, take their existing software applications and extend and integrate um, really quite easily and quickly. So I'm 100% cloud-focused, and I run uh, a number of different teams uh, that are spread globally. I have a global role. Like I said, I travel an awful lot. I spend most of my time talking to partners and customers, um, really uh, looking at how we can generate value very, very quickly using some of the capabilities um, that we've increasingly got available on the, on the cloud. Thank you very much. Pleasure to get to know both of you. I think we're going to take a quick break, but I have to tell the both of you, and this will resonate with Victor especially. Victor, I'm not allowed to go near caffeine on radio show days, and I think you figured out why probably by now, especially when I have two shows an hour apart, which will start in a couple of weeks again. So all I'm allowed to have is water. I have cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a straw, and I'm looking out at a very rainy, cloudy, yucky, overcast day here in Durham, North Carolina, where I learned very quickly the temperature can range from 26 degrees in the morning to 68 degrees in the afternoon, sometimes all in the same day. 
very confusing weather. So I'm not sure if it's winter, spring, summer, fall, or anything in between. Coming from New York, this is a little bit of a relief because we do get high temperatures in the 60s once in a while during these winter months. So there you go. So I'm just going to say we're going to take a quick break. I do have a shout-out as well. I shout-out out to Ira Burke and Rue at SAP, but I also have to do a shout of gratitude to Sharon Ohm, who helped put together this wonderful panel. And Sharon, we're appreciative. These gentlemen are smart, insightful, very in the moment, and they're just charming as heck. So I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're listening. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. This is actually episode number 12 from last year. We had to roll it over into 2019 because we ran out of weeks. Our topic today with a question mark. Life without cloud in 2019? Question mark? And I'm going to add, really? Okay, we'll be right back. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Aaron out. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment, and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand. All from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers. 
And we're back. I have to acknowledge Sharon Ohm at SAP had a, a very interesting uh, comment here on Twitter. She's listening to Johnny Gibson and Victor Van Ditten at here on SAP Radio, remembering to have fun with life and going for new challenges uh, challenges amidst technology mumbo-jumbo. Thank you, Sharon. And now I know what your Twitter handle is. I appreciate that. We are speaking today with Victor Van Ditten at here, H-E-R-E Technologies, and John Gibson at SAP. Our topic formally is Life Without Cloud in 2019 question mark and we're going to do a deep dive right now into our our roundtable discussion section we have a few minutes left so let's start with a statement victor van Denton sent me before the show he says cloud has been a true game changer not primarily for centralizing on on-premise business applications but much more for the platform and sharing economy victor why don't you spend two minutes telling us what this all means and then we'll see what john gibson has to say go ahead victor yeah, for me, it's just to provide context on what, how I see cloud. Cloud is often seen as just, you know, putting business application in a centralized platform and just host it from there. But for me, cloud is everything that also on the consumer side of things is implemented already. Um, I think Uber, Facebook, Apple, as examples, uh, would have been nowhere without cloud or cloud platforms. Um, so for me, it's to put a little more context into what cloud really means for me. Um, that it, it has been a, a true game changer. If there was no platform, um, Uber was not able to to run their business. And the same goes actually for here technologies. We are a hundred percent cloud company, so all our data and services run on a global cloud. Um, so I think it is not only for businesses, as we talk about businesses, but definitely also mm-hmm. for consumers. And I think the fun thing about consumer applications is that they are you know, much quickly or uh, consumers much more quickly adopt cloud applications than the businesses do. Businesses seem to be traditional and waiting to have all the obstacles out of the way like security and privacy. Uh, mm-hmm. But really the consumers are adapting at, at, at wire speed uh, all these new technologies. Thank you. John Gibson, agree or disagree? What do you think? I said a, a total game changer. And I, I love the examples that uh, Victor talks about. Uh, the, the reason why it's a game changer is because of the value that it provides the consumer. Um, um, Victor talked about Uber, um, Facebook, Apple, and look what they're doing. People aren't um, using Uber because they like the technology. They're, they're using Uber because it provides something that's of tremendous value. The same with the other um, ride-sharing um, companies. I, I, I travel a lot, and I use the uh, um, ride-sharing businesses, Uber, Lyft, Grab, um, uh, a tremendous amount. It provides real value for me. It doesn't matter where I am in the world. I can go on. I can I can hail a taxi. I don't worry about language. I don't worry about bartering with a with a taxi driver, um, and that's the consumer value. Same for Facebook and and for Apple, and that's what cloud is able to provide at lightning speed, and and hence the success. Thank you very much. I think we're on board, both of them, both of you, with that. I'm looking here at your notes, John Gibson, and you have a contrarian statement here. I want you to explain to me. You say why businesses don't want cloud. A business is there to run the business, not install or use technology. When the CFO gets out of bed in the morning, she or he is not thinking about cloud. They want something else. John, explain to me, please. <laughs> yeah, probably seems a little bit odd from somebody working in a cloud platform organization yeah. for SAP to say a business doesn't want cloud. Um, this it really comes from a conversation I had with a, a really good friend of mine. I was actually skiing uh, with him, 
Uh, he's a um, CFO, has been a CFO of a couple of organizations. And his comment, uh, something I remember, he said to me, um, John, I get software people, salespeople calling me up all the time, and they tell me that I need cloud. And he said, I don't need cloud. I need faster. I need better. I need cheaper. It just happens that cloud delivers that to me. So I think um, in a lot of cases, uh, in the technology world, maybe a lot of your listeners uh, have this as well, um, we get a little lost in ourselves. We get a, a little lost in our technology and kind of we kind of geek out the technology. But the reality is um, for organizations, they're using the technology to do something. So, so cloud, give, cloud gives us something. We don't run cloud just for cloud's sake. We run cloud because it gives us extra capabilities. And we always have to remember that. I think you, you, if you talk to me on the business side, if you're a customer or an employee or a partner, uh, you get bored of me using the Y word. I use the Y word an awful lot, and, and we always have to remember that. Okay, there you go. Thank you very much. I like that. Uh, Victor, comments on what John just put forth on the table for us. What do you think? Yeah, I cannot agree more with John than, you know, what he just explained. It's, it's spot on, I guess. Um, and, you know, we call this business outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no point of talking to a business about technology. We have all kind of fancy technology in this world. And, you know, I think it's also with the adoption life cycle. Uh, technology uh, is developed. It's, you know, a little geeky. It's high tech. And then ultimately it finds this way to optimize business outcome. Um, and I think for companies like us, like here, like SAP, it's, it's just an imperative that we need to talk with our customers about business outcome instead of fancy technology. Uh, because cloud doesn't mean anything, anything to people, you know, if it's mm-hmm. just moving your application from where it is today into the cloud with the same functionality, with the same scalability, with the same price tag, there is no point of moving it into a cloud. So it is not a cloud discussion. It's more like how can we optimize your scalability? How can we lower your yeah. cost? How can we do faster, as John said? So, uh, yeah, completely in agreement here. What wasn't there? Isn't there a famous phrase? Somebody said, "I I should look it up." Uh, people aren't looking for a drill bit; they're looking for a quarter inch hole. You know the quote? Yeah, that's, ex- that's exactly it. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that and it? There's, there's a number of stories um, about this. About you know, if you really truly try and understand what what the end consumer wants, then you actually come up with something that's a very different. Um, um, solution and a lot, a lot of cases something that you weren't thinking about in the first place and it goes back to Victor's example on Uber and Facebook and Apple you know, what, what's been delivered is something of, of unique value to the, end, to the end consumer and that's what we're looking for That's it and the quote was uh, from Theodore Levitt, the Harvard marketing professor, people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill, they want a quarter inch hole, there you go Okay, just okay. I wanted to give a proper attribution there uh, Victor, I'm looking at your notes here. Here's something interesting, and we alluded to this before. You say cloud service providers will have to compete on trust, not on technology features or price. So how high up on the quote-unquote food chain of, of criteria is trust? Is it higher now, do you think, in 2019, or, or is there more trust out there? Um, so I would say there, there is already more trust out there, but, okay. you know, the... With the, with the adoption, the broader adoption of cloud, um, we also get more incidents around security, around privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it is companies that are credible, cloud providers that are credible, that will get the business going forward rather than only competing on price and features as we did in the past with you know, the hardware and software 
manufacturers just competing on pricing, on specifications and, and technology features. Um, I see cloud is more a thing that you trust to bring your data to a specific provider that you trust that he runs your business well. So, you know, what I see in my day-to-day business is that trust is something that, you know, is just, you know, it's, it's just being more applicable to any kind of criteria that they decide on. All the decision criteria are kind of moved around because they say, hey, I just give you my data. It resides in your premise. You run my business, so I need to trust you more than I have the cheapest price. So I think that on one hand, good for the technology sector, that quality um, gets the recognition it deserves. Um, and that trust is something that is a complete different business model than just competing on price only there. Thank you very much. John Gibson, agree or disagree? How high up is trust? Is it growing? It's, it's um, high and getting higher every um, I have a conversation uh, with customers about this uh, pretty much every day. Uh, it's really top of mind for them. And um, yes, um, there's trust, uh, but I would say trust and liability are two different things. Um, and um, mm-hmm. customers are very concerned about um, performance, but privacy and security issues as well. Uh, they need to know that all three are being taken care of. And as we see cloud become ubiquitous for everybody, um, these issues become more and more um, to the fore that, that we've got to deal with them. And, and um, my own opinion is that these are drivers for cloud. Um, in the next few years, um, we're starting to see a lot more press about privacy issues, a lot more press about security concerns. And this is a real driver moving forward. Thank you very much. Let's move to John. Let's see what you've got here in your bag of lists of questions and comments you sent me. You say, ah, okay, I'm looking at life used to be so simple. Um, Okay, interesting. I'm looking through here. Um, Let's talk about, you had an interesting comment here for me. You said radio shows are an early version of the cloud. It's the same concept. I use equipment to access something from somewhere else. Do companies understand it's really that simple, John? Do you think it's still being explained by cloud vendors, or is that pretty much common knowledge? Yeah, get from point A to point B. You can't see it, feel it, taste it, smell it, but you know it's there. What do you think? Yeah, I think... think, um the the simplicity side is sometimes the hardest thing to do. Yes. Um, keeping it simple is 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 very difficult. Um, you would think simple is easy, but it's the opposite way around. <clears throat> kind of my comment on the radio show is, um, you're delivering a radio show. It's going out to thousands and thousands of people. <clears throat> you're doing it from a remote location. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a cloud thing. You're not going into somebody's living room and delivering the show to them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Um, and so it's, it's, an, it's an early version of, of, of somebody doing something um, centrally and, and getting it out to lots of different people. And um, it's very simple. It's a very simple concept. And cloud should be providing um, um, businesses and consumers with simple concepts, not, uh, not um, something that is uh, difficult to comprehend or difficult to understand. The te- yes, the technology is complex behind the scenes. Um, we all have people to deal with that. But at the end of the day, the concept that it delivers should be something that's simple. It should be faster. It, sh- it should be easier. And we should never lose touch with that. Thank you very much. Victor, agree or disagree with that point of view? Yeah, it's getting a little boring here, but I you know, completely agree with what John said. <laughs> and, 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 I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> 
No, 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 not to you. But, you know, we're only in agreement. So um, in a panel, you want to, to, to argue a little bit around some statements as well. But, you know, I think we both come from the same business angle. Um, yes. And, you know, just have the... Uh, but, you know, I, I, I agree with this. And, you know, to simplify things, as, as, as John said, is kind of the, the most difficult thing there is. And that's why I always compare it with the other utilities like water, gas, mm-hmm. or electricity. Um, it needs to be as simple as that. Cloud needs to be a facility, whether it's compute power, storage power, or in, in the future, artificial intelligence or machine learning. That's just a capability that needs to be delivered to a business or a consumer or whatever. And I just always imagine the same. You know, you don't have your own electricity plant in your backyard. So, you know, just accept that is a, is a, is a common foundation that comes to you and that the technology on the back end is very difficult and very complex. Professionals will take care of that. Um, so, yeah, I truly believe we need to make it as simple as possible. And I like it to just to imagine that it comes out of a wall. You just plug in and you have it. Thank you. We're not, you're not, two of your agreement, it's not boring, it's affirming. We'll go with that word. It's affirming. affirming. Now, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Our, our, I like that. You like that. Okay, I'm, I'm working hard at this now. Um, the, the title of this episode is A Life Without Cloud in 2019, question mark, and you have that in your notes. You say, Victor says, A Life Without Cloud. Switching off the cloud in 2019 would have a very strong impact on society, could even destabilize and provoke uproars. Cloud is already one of the cornerstones of modern operations and there is no way back now that's something we might find out whether john agrees or or disagrees with but victor first how how strong are you in this impact what kind of impact would it be on society if we pulled out of the cloud or the cloud went poof and it was gone what would happen i think it very much depends on where you are or what you do um so i could imagine that i'm on an island in the philippines as i was three years ago and you're just sailing a boat um and you're completely uh you know detoxing digitally um, mm-hmm. it might not have that impact as it has in the western world where economy is going really quickly and, and all of that but um, i think so many applications already run on cloud um, and different clouds that if we would just pull them out payment systems uh, transport planning systems all of that will not be there will not be intact anymore so i truly believe that if you would just switch it off imagine again i'm going back to the same analogy if you would turn off the water or the electricity supply, mm-hmm. um, you know, rages exist, whatever, you know, uproars will, will come. Um, so I think cloud is already close to that. It's not really at the same level today. But I truly believe if you just switch it up in 2019, it really um, stops all the innovations that are running today on these cloud platforms. Um, it stops a lot of global operations so uh, that might even end up in in offers i guess you know and the example that john gave like you know traveling a lot you have all these applications you have all this cloud applications that you're using to get from a to b whole mobility systems are based on this concept um, i truly believe you cannot switch it out in 2019 thank you are we going to get a provocative challenge to that statement from john gibson or are you going to agree john i'm leaving it up to you go ahead i i wouldn't know if it's a uh, um, a provocative statement. I think um, um, if you pull a plug on cloud, it's important to understand you're not pulling the plug on the present. Um, you're really impacting the future because um, most technology organizations, their R&D spend, it's all going into cloud. Um, so the things that we're working on for three years' time, for five years' time, 
it's all very cloud focused uh, and everything's based on cloud infrastructure um, so to to reset all of that would be entertaining to say the least it would upset my <laughs> kids as well i mean <laughs> it's interesting um, if you uh, i've been in the business for a long time and then i see um, how my children interact with uh, technology etc and then kind of the cloud world to them is is the normal world it's not something new it's not something um, that, that's in, a, in, in addition to everything else. You know, they don't go on to TV and look for a scheduled TV show. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're live streaming everything. They're streaming their movie. Um, it's very, they have a very um, different way of entertaining themselves than when I grew up as a, as a kid. And it's all based, based on cloud technology. So cloud is really um, become ingrained not just in the business world, but the way people lead their lives. It's, 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 it's really interesting, the changes that it creates, not just in business, but in society um, and as well. And, and like I say, uh, all the R&D spend for companies are, are going into cloud technologies um, mm-hmm. now as well. So that's, that's the direction that we're heading in. And, and to, if we all of a sudden, for some reason, had to pull a plug on that, then um, that would be probably the biggest change we've ever been through um, on, the, on the planet. Interesting, and probably the fastest big change, I would guess. It would, there would be an immediate impact. Not like, well, what happened so the wheel isn't rolling? We'll have to go back and reinvent it in 500 years. But I digress. Gentlemen, we're in the middle of our predictions round, even though I didn't announce it yet. I can give you each 60 seconds. That's all we have. Victor Van Denton at Here Technologies. Look into the crystal ball and tell me what will change about this topic, let's say, between 2020, which is almost here, and 2025. Life with with or without cloud, Victor, predict, go. Um, I think it, the adoption rate will be much higher. Um, and coming back to um, the point on, on security and, and privacy, I truly believe privacy is going to be a unique selling point globally mm-hmm. um, on, on cloud services. Uh, so we're already seeing that today. If privacy cannot be guaranteed, um, definitely in Europe, a GDPR, it is already an issue then to provide services to all kinds of organizations, governmental or non-governmental. So I think that really will accelerate and um, being able to provide complete privacy, uh, transparent solutions out of the cloud will become the number one selling point in the next five years. Thank you. John Gibson, 60 seconds, all yours. Go ahead. Uh, I think my first prediction is we're not going to be able to predict anything. Um, <laughs> <Too shy. laughs> now, my honest answer, so I, I, I get asked a lot of times, you know, where are we going to be in five years' time? I get asked this question by customers. Um, and my honest answer is, you know, to some degree, I don't know. I can, I can tell you the next uh, two years, probably. For the next five years, it's the the... Probably the great thing about technology is a little bit of a mystery. We can we can guess and we can estimate. Um, what um, what I do see is a number of disparate cloud technologies coming together. You know, cloud is there's a lot. If you look at what cloud means, uh, there's a lot under there. There's the consumer side of things that we talk about. Um, there's platforms, which is a thing I work on. Software, um, business software runs on the cloud. We've got cloud infrastructure. We're starting to see all these things come together a little bit more. And we will start to see things being delivered very differently to uh, both to um, organizations and to the end consumer as well. And we start to see 
um, this connection of the organization and the consumer becoming a lot tighter. The, the, the customers are, are being able to connect into their consumer at an individual level uh, much faster and, and with much more impact. And, and I do see that experience that the, the end cu- customer has working um, with uh, what is really their own personal vendor uh, as being something that will change dramatically using cloud technologies in the future. Thank you, John. We're out of time. I'm so appreciative to the both of you. Thank you so much, Victor Van Denton at Hero Technologies. I hope you'll come back this year, John Gibson at SAP. Same thing and shout out, of course, to Ruja, Sharon Oman, SAP, Ira Burke for sponsoring the series, and Aaron Keller, our engineer at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Aaron is going to rock it for us in another, the whole year. Here we go, my call to action. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for listening. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Victor Van Denton at Hero Technologies, just like John Gibson at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye and Happy New Year. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.